I'm somebody maybe who operates off of a circadian rhythm that's different than whatever, like too bad. You have to wake up at seven because this is when school starts or this is what, you know, I mean, I think our whole lives were taught like this is what the structure is, whether it works for your body or not. And so you just need to fall in line. Like no matter, you know, none of us can actually listen to what our intuition is. Like we were constantly taught not to. Hello and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 45, and it completely turned my world upside down. I've been looking back at so much of my life, school, jobs, my relationships, all of it with this new lens, and it has been nothing short of overwhelming. I quickly discovered I was not the only woman to have this experience, and now I interview other women who, like me, discovered in adulthood they have ADHD and are finally feeling like they understand who they are and how to best lean into their strengths, both professionally and personally. Okay, let's get right into it with episode 125 in which I interview Marnie Bothmer. Marnie is a fitness professional who believes that fitness can be utilized as a tool for increasing confidence and empowerment. She works with people who are going through something in life to view movement in a different way than society has defined it for us. After being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 2018 and ADHD in 2021, her approach in the fitness world really shifted into what our bodies can do, and she's excited to share that with others. Marnie is also married to Kaylin Johnson, who you may remember from episode 97. The two of them live in Omaha with their dog, Yoshi. Marnie and I talk about movement and exercise and some of the struggles that feel unique to neurodivergent brains, as well as some tips on how to get motivated and stay motivated. If you love this conversation as much as I did, then mark your calendars because Marnie will be our featured expert during the month of April in the Women and ADHD online community, where she'll be talking about movement techniques for neurodivergent thinkers. Also coming up this month, we are featuring our in-house therapist, Jules. She will be presenting on ADHD and reclaiming self-love. That'll be a Q&A on learning strategies to develop better self-acceptance and improve self-esteem. And then in March, we'll be joined by personal finance expert Samantha Absher of WTF is a Budget, and she'll be discussing money management for the ADHD brain. So if you're feeling clueless about budgeting or wishing you could curb your impulsive spending or emotional spending, you won't want to miss it. All of our monthly Q&As are included in your one-time membership fee in the community, and they're always recorded. So if you can't make it live, you can watch them in our archive at your leisure. Past Q&As have included topics like ADHD and sex, ADHD and eating, addiction, an intro to ADHD medications, ADHD and hormones, decluttering, and many more. So come join us in the community. Head to womenandadhd.com. And of course, that link is in the show notes. But for now, let's proceed with this wonderful interview with Marnie. Marnie, thank you for joining me. <laughs> Hello. Um, all right. Where do we even begin? I feel like you have quite, you have a, a cocktail of diagnoses, right? I do have a cocktail of diagnoses. That's true. Yes, that is true. So which one came first? It was, I think it was probably the MS diagnosis came first, right? Yep. Yep. I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis um, in November, 2018. So um, yeah been navigating that for a little while. Um, and then ADHD, I was diagnosed with that in, I guess, November also, uh, maybe it was December, December of like 2021. It's been an interesting um, thing where you're just kind of like, okay, I have this and kind of like navigating this. And that's like, oh, wait, just kidding. You have this. So it's all these just kind of like different perspectives of constantly like changing the way that I view the world and myself within it. But I guess that's adulthood, right? <laughs> Right. Yeah, totally. But I think I think a lot of women who were diagnosed with autoimmune disorders, which are so are becoming more and more common, uh, attribute a lot of ADHD traits to the autoimmune um, uh, diagnosis. Right. And so I, you see that a lot. And then it's like, oh, my God, how do I even begin to unpack this idea that um, a lot of the autoimmune disorders are related to stress and trauma. And, you know, that's something we have in spades. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah. 
I mean, yeah, of course, yeah, we all have, yeah, trauma to some extent for various reasons, but especially I feel like, right, for like neurodivergent and kind of like gaslit our whole lives and you're like the way that I understand the world is maybe different than everybody else. And then later you're like, oh my gosh, this makes sense. So yeah. Yeah, I know, right? I'm always like, why am I so depressed and anxious all the time? I know. <laughs> um, so so what was going on that first led to the MS diagnosis? I know you you talk about it a little bit on your website, but what was first happening? Yeah, yeah. I'm a personal trainer. And so I've started doing that since 2010. Um, and so I was going into work one day, actually, and I was um, just like warming up. I was doing a barbell snatch. I had like a bar trying to pull it over my head. And as I was bringing it up, all of a sudden, my shoulder just like wouldn't stabilize the bar. Like It was just kind of like wobbly. Um, and I was like, oh, that's weird. I was like, maybe, you know, maybe I like pulled a muscle or twinged something. So try to kind of work it out. Um, didn't happen. And so I was like, yeah, that's weird. Maybe I'll just kind of switch up what I'm going to do today. I'll do a different focus. So I went and was like doing something else workout wise. And I went home and I was like, this still feels really weird. And like my fine motor skills were weird. Like taking a key into our apartment wasn't working well. Um, so I was like, yeah, I must've just like really messed up a nerve. So I had Kaylin, my wife, who's been on your show. I had her like try to like rub it out. And, but it, it was like a few days where it had kind of continued and like started getting worse. Um, but then the real kicker was that my eyes actually stopped tracking. So like when I right eye was like not tracking with the left one. And so people were like, Oh, are you having a stroke? And I was like, maybe. Um, so like, I don't know. Um, so like, I mean, not to like make fun of or like make light of things, but sometimes when I would train my clients, cause I was like, am I, I would be like, if I like, if I'm having a stroke, let me know, like, you know, but not to make light of that. But so I went and I got a, like an MRI, um, and then had four lesions on my brain. And so it was like, Oh, it's MS. So um, I often talk about how we use humor to cope with traumatic events in our life and how uh, so many times when I'm on this podcast, I say things as I'm laughing, being like, oh, yeah, all that abuse we experienced. So uh, <laughs> it's such a right. Um, I'm like every stand up comic is ADHD. I'm convinced. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, yeah. How else can you even come up with comedy if you haven't experienced trauma? <laughs> um, that's yeah. crazy. And are you having yeah. a stroke is never a question you want to answer with maybe. <laughs> uh, but it says a lot about like our how incapable we are so often of paying attention to our bodies. 100%. Yes, 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 yes. And I think especially right with neurodivergency and like being in the fitness world, I always think that's such an interesting thing too. Um, you know, I think that so many people, like when I work or when I train people or I work with people, I feel like there's such a, I don't know, like a disconnect from our bodies, I guess, in like, I don't know, does this feel good to me? Does this not feel good to me? Should Is this like a type of movement that I like doing? It's just more like, this is what I'm supposed to do or what somebody told me to do. So I'm going to start doing it. And then it's like, no wonder we keep burning out, you know, from things when we aren't great at listening to our bodies. So yeah. Yeah, I know. And that just happened to me recently at the beginning of this, uh, the beginning of the year, I was having all of these, you know, this vertigo and dizziness and all of this stuff that was coming back. And I had had this in the past. And so I went and was like getting my jaw looked at because I thought it was TMJD again. And, uh, and it turned out that it was not TMJD. It was literally stress from my neck and my shoulders. And that there was like that my neck was so tense that it was causing all of this vertigo and tinnitus and hearing. It was, I was like, you have to be fucking kidding me that this is stress related. Cause I'm like, I'm a health coach. I'm a yoga instructor. Like, <laughs> like, and I was all, it was just like all these shoulds, right. Of like, oh my God, I should know better. And I just was like, but at the same time, it's so fitting that it is stress related because we let it get to those points where it's like our bodies are screaming. Right. Sometimes I think to people like us who are like trying so hard to be like, I'm fixing all the things, right? It's like, I'm doing all the things I'm in fitness, I'm doing these. And it's like, Oh, yeah, well, actually, that's stress in and of itself. So no wonder. Like, <laughs> Right? I know. Well, I, I know I, I feel that way about anxiety sometimes where I get like really bad anxiety breathing, where I can't fill my lungs. And I'm like, and I'm like, have to stop and be like, what is giving me anxiety right now? And I'm like, what isn't giving me anxiety right now? And then I'm like, the thing that is giving me the most anxiety is the breathing right now. And so I'm like, well, now what do I do? <laughs> yes. That's very true. I know. Sometimes I'm like, I feel like I can't take a deep breath, but then I'm like, I like get hyper-focused almost on trying to do it. You know, so I'm like, like can I get a deep breath? And I'm like, okay, this is <laughs> like overthinking if I can breathe. Yeah. So that's not helpful. <laughs> it's just like, oh yes, the sides were there all along. Uh, oh, 100%. So, okay. So then what were you attributing certain ADHD traits to the MS or like, what was, where did you start 
how did you start connecting the dots with the ADHD? That's that's a good question. I'm going to think about that if I if I attributed things to MS because I very much may have. But I think, well, in some ways, I think somewhat anxiety because I, you know, started experiencing, I think just, I think I started becoming more aware of anxiety within my life. But, you know, because like lesions can be on different parts of your brain and there was an aspect of me that was like, maybe it is like MS, right? Like maybe there's like a lesion on my brain that's creating anxiety. Um, But it was, so that time it was December, 2021, that like, this sounds so random, but I was, I do a lot of virtual training with my clients. And I would be training people and I would just notice that like, I could not focus, but all I was focusing on were like really like weirdly stressy things. But the stressy things I was focusing on were things like, do we have enough vegetables for the week? You know, like I'd be like, oh my God, okay, we have broccoli for Monday. We have, you know, like Brussels sprouts for two. Like I couldn't stop though, you know? And I was like, maybe I have OCD, like maybe, you know? And it was like, I remember talking to my therapist about it and she was like, you need to stop doing that because it's not healthy. And I was like, okay, like I would like to stop doing that too. That's <laughs> not like, please tell me how this isn't helpful. Um, and so I actually went to a psychiatrist to talk about like that, like do I have OCD? Um, my wife actually at that time, a couple months prior had been diagnosed with ADHD. And so she was like, I think you have ADHD, but I think a piece of me was like, because she got diagnosed then I felt weird being like, Oh yeah, me too. You know, like, I have this diagnosis too. Um, so I was like, I'm going to go into my own diagnosis, you know, like it's this. But so when I was explaining it to my psychiatrist, she was like, have you ever considered that you have ADHD? And I was just like, of course. <laughs> so I don't know if my brain was just like latching on. It was like, I need something else to focus on. Let me focus on anxiety or like, you know, I'm not exactly sure. Like what exactly that was, but as you know, her and I chatted a ton, then it was like, oh, okay, okay, yeah, I see this. Oh my God, that's so funny. And, and you know, because it's like, there are many of us who are, say our partners are 100% neurotypical. And I used to say that about my husband when I was first diagnosed, because I was like, he's so different from me. He's got to be neurotypical. But now the more I learn about ADHD and the more I like pay attention, I'm like, ADHDers are so attracted to each other that I'm like, I think we're just complementary neurodivergence. Yeah. Yeah. We would laugh about that all the time because I was like, I have a few friends, you know, who I've seen like on social media and things like that, that are like, oh, I got diagnosed with ADHD, which I didn't know they did younger. And I was like, I feel like everybody has it now. And then you're like, oh, wait, no, maybe it's just the people that I've always been, you know, connected to for whatever reason. Otherwise, I'm not your friend. So that makes sense. <laughs> right. Well, I don't know if you feel this way about your clients, but like I, I used to, you know, my coaching was primarily with diet recovery and binge eating recovery. And so I was like, oh, I need to go and contact all of my past clients and be like, surprise, we have ADHD. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> Yeah, that is so true. I have told clients that before. I'm like, I think that you also have this. Oh, no, my son does, but I don't. And I'm like, "Mm, okay, just keep throwing those like, I'll keep throwing those little pieces at you. Right? Those like, did you know that's a thing? Uh That's a thing with ADHD. I do that all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. So then, okay. So you were diagnosed. And then what were you kind of, where did you look back and think, um, you know, okay, the signs were clearly there all along? I mean, I kind of feel like all the things, to be honest. (laughs) Um, I feel like one of them is like, I have some real good impulsivity. Um, So and like, there are so many things I feel like, especially as a kid that I would always do, because I thought that they were funny. But like, I might know that like, this isn't a social norm. But like, other people might not think it's funny, but I think it's funny. So I'm gonna do it kind of thing. Like, um, I don't know, just sometimes like in classes, like trying to like kind of being like the class clown, like, I'm going to give this speech today in an operatic voice, or I'm going, you know, just like random things that I would do because I thought that they were funny. Um, And then I was realizing like, oh, okay, yeah, I think there's like a little impulsivity in there. I have insane, like, I said, like time paralysis. I don't remember what it's called, but like where there's like something later in the day and I like feel like I can't do anything, you know, like even like this, we were meeting today at 11. I got done working. I trained some people this morning at nine. And so I had two hours and I was like, what, two hours, what am I going to do? Like I have this, I can't do anything because this is, you know, so it's just like really like frozen in my time. That is a huge one for me. Yeah, those are really big ones. I get involved in all the things. That's one too. Like, I feel like I was like in orchestra and I was in sports and I was in, you know, just all these like different clubs and groups. And so um, always like a little bit of an interest where it's like, I just kind of want to do all the things. Well, even just sports, right? I mean, I think a lot of kids end up in competitive sports because of ADHD, right? Their parents were like, we need to, you need to run this out. Um, and, you know, so many elite athletes have ADHD that you feel like, like, you know, there is certainly that connection there with childhood sports and, and how it helps, right? Like just how it helps your thought process and your, your neural pathways and all of the, that stuff. 
Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. And music, like, and my wife and I are really big Broadway fans. And I'm always like, all, all these people, like, <laughs> you're all neurodivergent. Like, makes sense why we, yeah, like, connect within all these realms. And yeah, for sure. Well, and you and Kayla met on the rowing team, right? In college. Was it, so do you, was there anyone else on your team that you have to go back and be like, surprise? Oh, <laughs> but, you know, we haven't really, I guess, like, thrown the diagnoses on people, but we probably should. <laughs> we'll make a list and send out, like, a little email. Like, hey, I haven't talked to you in a couple of years, but <laughs> I think, mm. I think I can solve your problem with this diagnosis. <laughs> right. Well, and the other thing with elite athletes too, is that when they experience an injury or when they're kind of derailed, that's where a lot of the ADHD symptoms start to play out. And, you know, where it's like all that structure, all that rigor is gone. And so then they start to really struggle with a lot of the executive dysfunction stuff. Did you notice that? How, how was your executive functioning kind of before and after the MS diagnosis? Did you notice differences? I think, um, I think that's, so we talk about like stress and trauma, right? I feel like there was a piece of me that really, um, operated on just like this overdrive all the time. So I don't think I was ever really aware if I was like having executive function or whatnot, because it was like this, like weird dissociation from, um, how I feel about anything. That's, I think why it took me a little while to get diagnosed with ADHD because, you know, people like, Oh, do you have a hard time doing X, Y, Z? And it was like, no, because I just like, you know, I override everything and I go like crazy. Um, until that MS diagnosis, which then it was kind of like, Oh, you know, like I think it kind of, kind of sat me on my ass to be like looking back at everything. Um, and like, I need to chill out, you know, like I can't keep like living my life like this. Um, where I was like living very, very regimented in a lot of ways, you know, I was like, okay, like I'm going to, I'm going to do my meal preps and I'm going to do this. And like, um, you know, just all the things. And so it's hard for me, I guess, to kind of identify sometimes, like if I had this executive function then, or sometimes even, I feel like even like when I talk to my therapist, I was like, did you have depression at this time? And I'm like, I think I was so disconnected sometimes from my like inner feelings for like a big period of time that, yeah, I think that it's just kind of a, it's kind of a weird space that's been playing to think like if something affected me prior or not, does it now? Yes. You know, like there's, it's way harder now, um, now that I've kind of sat back and it's still a struggle for sure. But to be like, I can't live my life like that, like just in like sympathetic, you know, overdrive all the time. Um, and so now sometimes like trying to not be like that, it is definitely more challenging for me to, um, kind of have that executive function to get myself to do a lot of different things. Mm. Right. I think that's a balance a lot of us struggle with, you know, and, and why so many of us have difficulty with like vacations and, and rest and weekends and unstructured time. Cause it's like a lot of the time it's like, I fear if I stop, I'm going to never start again. <laughs> and yeah. Right. And so it's like, and then I don't like the version of me that's lying around, not doing anything because it makes me feel lazy and, you know, makes me feel like I'm not doing anything. But at the same time, I'm burnt out and need rest and, and bal, you know, that, that pendulum of back and forth and feeling like, um, you know, how, how difficult it is for us to sort of have, enjoy restoration and relaxation and actually not feel like shit about it. I'm getting better. I must say I'm getting better. And I think, you know, the, the, in terms of, but I have to be really strict about, about like scheduling it. Like I can't just allow it to happen. I have to be really have a lot of boundaries around like, no, this is unstructured rest time as opposed to, right. Because then it's like, then I feel like those, we spend a lot of our time in paralysis where it's like, I'm not getting anything done. So I'm going to feel like shit about myself. Um, and then, you know, thinking about all the things we should be doing in this time. 100%. Yeah, yeah, that is me constantly. And then whatever I choose, it's not right. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, well, okay, I'm doing this. But really, I should probably be doing this. Or it's like, oh, maybe I should really be social with other people. Oh, no, I think I need alone time. Oh, but maybe, you know, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like none of the things feel right ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the idea of scheduling it, though. Yeah. Like, okay, this is my like 930 to 10 or whatever. Like, I don't know why that's my time. But it's probably not when I'm resting. <laughs> but like, and because then it, maybe, maybe that gets rid of the guilt. Um, right. Well, and I, I feel like as entrepreneurs too, we have a tendency to work seven days a week. And so that's been really important for me to be like, this is a no work day. This is absolutely no. And like, I'll slap my own hand and be, <laughs> because, you know, you're like, you're like, oh, I have these, I want to do the update my website and do all these other things, all this like behind the scenes stuff. And I have to be like, no, it's can't yeah. wait. <laughs> But then it's like, but what am I going to do on my off day? Oh my gosh. Like sometimes I have that too, you know, like, oh, I could go to this place. I could try a new coffee shop, you know, I know. Like, all the things happen on my off day. And like, yeah. Um, oh, right. I know that was a big realization for me just about vacations where it's like, I always felt so 
lazy and lethargic at home. But when I was on vacation, like my idea of a fun vacation is doing all these fun things and going out and doing all the things, right? And so I was like, that's my idea of rest and and relaxation is doing all those fun things. And I was like, huh, isn't that interesting? Because I feel like like I don't even though I spend a lot of time lying around scrolling my phone, like I don't find uh, that fun. Totally. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're like it's just like dopamine hit while I'm not doing something else. Yeah. 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 It's been so interesting to think about just our relationship with with rest and um structure and all of all of the things. Hey friend, if there's one thing I've learned about ADHD over the last few years is that we can thrive with the right combination of accountability, planning, coaching, and peer support. Knowing all this, I set out to create the ultimate all-in-one coaching and accountability community for adults with ADHD or learning disabilities. I knew I couldn't do it alone, so I joined forces with one of my favorite ADHD coaches, Alex Gilbert of Capable Consulting, and together we launched the ADHD Lounge. The lounge was created as a safe place for neurodivergent adults away from other social media, where we offer live group calls, co-working, and body doubling every weekday for accountability, focus, and skill development. We have weekly and monthly goal planning sessions to keep yourself on track. We also have one-on-one office hours with myself and Alex, and of course, friendship and lots of peer support. We have three different membership levels to meet you where you're at. So if you're looking for an affordable way to stay connected, productive, and accountable, while also having regular access to ADHD coaching and expertise, then make sure to come join me in the ADHDlounge.com. Again, that's the ADHDlounge.com. And as a listener of the Women in ADHD podcast, you can get 30% off your first month with the code PODCAST30. So head to the ADHDlounge.com and use the code PODCAST30 to get 30% off your first month. During the early days of my diagnosis, as I was deep into hyper-focus ADHD research mode, I kept searching for some kind of all-in-one, everything you ever needed to know about ADHD and women handbook that I could reference and keep at my fingertips, but I never really found anything that suited me. That's why I've taken everything I've learned about ADHD in women and adults who are socialized as girls, and I've gathered it into a concise, easy-to-access, self-guided, and self-paced course so you can feel like you've got everything you need at your fingertips. It's called, Hey, It's ADHD, and it has everything you need to start loving your brain and living a more fulfilling, gratifying life. I built this course to be helpful wherever you are on your ADHD journey. I am so excited to finally be able to offer this course, and I truly hope this will help you develop a deeper understanding of your ADHD brain and how to embrace it as you build yourself a toolkit for your own life. So head over to womenandadhd.com and click on the Hey, It's ADHD course tab for more information and to get started. You know, one of the things I talk about a lot with my clients is the the intersection of interesting and important, right? And and how uh, I know t- Dr. Tamara Rosier talks about it in her book, Your Brain's Not Broken. She talks about it as this like quadrant of where does something fall in the important or the interesting? Um, and things that are interesting are really effortless for us most of the time, but things that are important are things that we really, really struggle with because we get into that. I should be doing this. And so, um, exercise tends to fall squarely in the important category for so many women, especially I think, which is like, yeah, we know it's good for us. I know I'm supposed to do it. I know all the things I know what I need to be doing, but I just can't get out of bed or I just can't figure it out. So, um, so I feel like with this overlap, like what are, what are some of the things about neurodivergent clients that you see when it comes to some of the things we tend to struggle with when it, when it comes to movement? Yeah, I think there, I think there's like so many components to that. Um, I always say, I think one of the big ones, honestly, though, is like, not to, I feel like it's kind of like a cliche, like phrase, but like what you're like, why is for why you're, you know, wanting to exercise in the first place. I think that um, society has basically told, especially women, right, that like, we're never enough, right? You're not lean enough, you're not skinny enough, you're not, you know, whatever. And so for you to actually be enough, that means that you need to be doing like hours and hours of cardio. And, you know, you need to get up and do all these things. And um, yeah, I just feel like that. And that's like, so unmotivating, right? Like to come into this space of like, I really want to do this, because I'm so terrible, you know, like, nobody wants to do that. You just feel like crap. And also being on the elliptical for five hours is not fun. You can't tell me that it's fun. You know, like somebody's like, No, I love it. No, you don't. Maybe you do. Um, but so I think that there is a huge component to that, that if you can actually connect with something 
a little bit more on the like, this is why I want to do this is because it makes me feel empowered or it makes me feel, you know, a good, like we know that exercise can increase dopamine and, you know, other neurotransmitters within our brain. Um, so again, with people with ADHD, like that's what we're looking for. Right. So it's like, okay, I did my workout. Um, I am getting dopamine. That's awesome. I also think though, like looking at it, um, from that interesting perspective is I actually made a little post on my social media yesterday that I was like, if you didn't care about your body composition, like what would you choose to do for your movement? And I think that there's so much, you know, that comes into that where it's like, okay, well, I really, I don't know, like, I really want to go, I've heard people say like, I like going bike riding, but I don't get my heart rate is elevated. So I feel like I'm going to go run instead, you know, because I'd have to bike ride three times as long or something like that. Like there's things that give us joy, but that we choose to not do because it doesn't feel like it's quote worth it. Um, and so I think that that's also a component is to, you know, even if that is your goal, but like, if you just want to start moving, it's like, start thinking about things that like, just feel good to you. I, um, you know, I, I did sports forever. And then when I stopped doing sports, there's a lot of that, you know, like, okay, what do I, what do I do with like, as far as like movement goes? Um, and I feel like everybody just kind of falls into running because it's easy, like as far as you just go outside and run. So I started doing that. I actually didn't like running, but then, um, I, like Kaylin and I are big Walt Disney World fans. So we started signing up for the Disney races, which that actually was fun. Like that gives you, you know, like you dress up in costumes, you get fun medals, you're running through the Magic Kingdom. Like that's, there's nothing not fun about that, except for, I guess, if you don't like running. <laughs> but, um, but there's this piece of me though, that was always like, okay, you know, I have this race in January. So I feel like I need to be training for it. And I was never motivated to go out and run. But I personally actually really like strength training, which I know there's a lot of people who don't like that. But I almost would like, almost like weirdly not let myself enjoy it and go all in because this piece of me felt like running was like almost like what I was supposed to be doing. And when I got rid of that and then I just like really, you know, like went into like, no, I just want to lift because I want to lift my body hurt less. I, you know, enjoyed my movement a lot more. So I think there's so much to do with that. Um, and then also like, I'm just giving you all the things, but I think also like, honestly, making your space more exciting, I think is, you know, really important or, you know, I think everybody has their own, um, their own things that they like, like Kaylin, my wife, who has ADHD, she really, really likes working out in a space I'm in my gym right now, but a space where there aren't other people. So she doesn't want to go into, you know, like a 24 hour fitness or like a big box gym where there's a lot of other people. So some people like that, and maybe that's something that they need. Um, or maybe it's like you, you love classes and you want to go to, you want somebody to tell you what to do. So, you know, maybe you start hitting up different group classes, orange theory, spin classes, et cetera. Um, maybe it's changing your music, you know, sometimes I'll like work out to, I don't know, I'll get my like inner, like rock star on, or I'll go like lots of dance pop hits or, you know, I switch it up all the time. I'll switch up my outfits. Like sometimes I feel like there's like a, you know, Oh, I have this new album I want to listen to. I'll listen to it while I work out, you know? So kind of finding different ways also to make that exciting. Yeah. I was reminded when you were talking about a client who said to me, I don't have time to exercise because I'm walking my dog three times a day. And I was like, uh, that counts. Mm -hmm. That is, yeah. (laughs) Uh, You know, it's. um, I I was going to ask about the training for a 5K or training for marathons because I feel like some those are real, like a lot of us do that, right? It's like time, it's time bound. There's like a sense of urgency. There's a structure there. So it's like really appealing and, and, and checks a lot of boxes for us, but it's also time bound. So there is a tendency to be like, like once it's done, right. then there's nothing to catch you, right? There's not like a long term. Yeah. So what yeah. do you yeah. do? You feel like those sort of like entering contests or any of those things? Do you feel like that's a good idea, or or is that not a great idea for our brains? Yeah, I mean, I guess it really depends on the person, right? Like we all have different ways that we view things. Um, I think that there is a sustainability component, you know, like if I think that's a big thing just to ask people or like, why are you doing it? You know, cause like, are you just doing it? Cause you want to experience this. And that's like something that's really cool and fun for you. Go for it. Um, are you doing it because you feel like that's what you need to do? Or like, that's how you're, you know, like, I, I think that's just like a big component is like kind of challenging people to really think about, you know, maybe you're just looking for that, like external validation from other people, but also maybe that works for you. And like, you know, maybe that's awesome and great. So, okay, cool. You know, I think as long as you're aware of it, um, but I feel like in some ways that even comes to like certain diets, like that's not my focus, you know, but I'll have people all the time, like, Hey, I'm, I'm doing intermittent fasting. I'm doing whatever. And I just, that's always my biggest question is like, is this something that you can see yourself doing long-term, you know, like, is that, you know, or is this like a really quick thing and then we're not going to do it anymore. Um, and so I think that's, you know, a big thing just to consider if you're always kind of chasing those different. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think sometimes, 
Especially with nutrition, that seems to be one of the issues where a lot of us struggle when it comes to like, uh, you know, externalizing the structure of nutrition, which is like, we love diets, because we're being told what to eat and when to eat and how much to eat. And we love keeping track and we love weighing and measuring and all of these things. And then watching our weight, like all of that is so appealing. But at the same time, it's it's we're not learning how to you know, treat ourselves well outside of that structure. So when it becomes too much and we get burnt out inevitably, and then we're like, fuck it. And you go, but you know, we have nothing to fall back on again. And so, but the problem with intuitive eating for many people is it's just like too much freedom. <laughs> and people seem to be like, they're, they're like, I don't know how to listen to my body. I don't know how to treat myself well. Like self care in those ways are really difficult for a lot of us. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad, but it's true. Yeah, I mean, I'm 100% at that. I used to laugh all the time, but like people, I have clients all the time tell me, oh, well, it's easy for you because you have like such great discipline. And I'm like, no, I do not. Like I was the kid when I was little that would like go to buffets and like eat so much I would puke. So like not to like whatever, but like, I was like, that is not like, yeah, like food is absolutely good dopamine. You know what I mean? And like, not that people shouldn't whatever, but like, I just, yeah, I think like you said, though, like learning to listen, which, you know, we chatted about that earlier, like that whole concept of like listening to your body um, that's hard. And it's hard, obviously, for everybody. And I think, again, like, we're, we're taught not to, you know, it's like, you're like, Oh, yeah, like, I want to, I'm somebody maybe who operates off of a circadian rhythm, that's different than whatever, like, too bad, you have to wake up at seven, because this is when school starts, or this is what you know, I mean, I think our whole lives, we're taught, like, this is what the structure is, whether it works for your body or not. And so you just need to fall in line, like, no matter, you know, none of us can actually listen to what our intuition is, like, we're constantly taught not to. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think, yeah, I think we have to also manage our expectations. We can't just like wake up one day and have it all figured out. And so that's where the idea of like, <laughs> you're like, uh, I refuse to give in to that one. <laughs> I keep it hope alive. Uh, you know, but that feeling of like, uh, I'm so impatient, and I want to have it all figured out now. And so I'm going to reach for the first thing that comes my way that's going to tell me that they're going to figure it out for me, because we're so adrift, right? Right? I know. Yeah. I always use the metaphor of like, you know, you're like flailing in a river and there's like tw floating things coming at your at you and you're just like grabbing every log and stick as it's coming by and nothing's helping. And then you just have to like, let go and just go with the current. <laughs> Okay, so uh, yeah, and that also reminds me about like my, um, the the thing I do consistently when it comes to exercise is taking a walk every morning with my husband, and it has nothing to do with the walking. And it has everything to do with spending time with my partner and checking in, we talk about our week, we talk about the day, we talk about who's on dinner duty, you know, all of that. It's always him, by the way, spoiler alert, always yeah, him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know. I was going to say the conversation is, what are you making for dinner tonight? Um, I was just like, there's no, there's no conversation where we're deciding who's making it. But anyway, um, but you know, so that's what's the important part to me is, is like, it, without that, I feel like I can't start my day. And now it's become one of those things that we feel compulsively like, oh, what's missing, right? And I think that's such an important part of movement and, and self-care, which is like, how do I take it from the I should do this to the I have to do this, I must do this. And a lot of the time for many of us, we if we have the means, we use a personal trainer because personal trainers create that sense of structure and accountability. Um, but I feel like I work with a lot of women who just feel like, oh, no, 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 that's way too expensive. I should figure out how to do this on my own. And then they're back to grabbing twigs and stuff. So I'm like, how do you what would you say to the person who feels like stuck in that middle zone of I should be able to figure this out on my own? Yeah, I guess I would say a like, let's get rid of those shoulds, right? Because it's like, again, I think society has um, created us that like we feel that way all the time and it's not true. Um, you know, nobody's been helping us out. So there's that. I think our bodies, I think too, like, again, there's so much of what people think like counts or doesn't count. And like, I have this where it's like, um, you know, like I think a lot of us have that all or nothing approach. So it's like, well, if it's not going to be, you know, a full structured hour where I'm getting in cardio strength and mobility, then it doesn't count. And so I'm not going to do anything. You know? <laughs> so it's like, also just knowing that like anything, you know, it matters. Um, and it can be something like, Maybe you like to do like, uh, what, what do I want to think of? Not the Wii, that's old. Uh, the Switch, the Nintendo Switch, where like maybe you like to play Just Dance, you know, and like dance it out. That counts, you know, or 
Um, like I love the concept of walking. I also live in Omaha, Nebraska, and sometimes it is terrible outside, you know? And so like, re- I mean, like it was a month ago, it was like wind chills of negative 40. So like, that's hard too. I mean, obviously like we are very lucky where we have like this gym space within our house. Um, and a lot of people don't have that, but yeah, I mean, it can be stretching. They said it can be dancing. Like it doesn't have to be something like so set. So I think that also, again, taking away some of the like the shoulds and the shame of um, the pressure from society that tells us that it has to be a certain thing. You know, you have to be doing three sets of 10 of X, Y, Z, like it, no, you know? And like, there are like so, so, so many studies though about the benefits of exercise on our brains, you know, on our overall mood, on our overall health that again, have nothing to do with body composition. Um, I always say like, I, it makes me mad that I feel like aesthetics have like hijacked the fitness industry, you know, it's just like, um, everybody's just making it this show, but yeah, I mean, maybe you have to swim or I just, I think there, again, there's, there's things that people like to do, but then they almost like stop doing them or they stop counting them or whatever, because, um, we don't feel like it's good enough. So I think that's like the biggest thing is to kind of start reframing some of that. Um, and like what feels good with you within your body. And, you know, maybe you want to go do a bunch of cartwheels in your living room, <laughs> like, you know, it can be something fun. <laughs> yeah. I like that idea of, you know, uh, feeling like it anything can count. Um, so it's almost like you're cheating a little bit, like lean into that, right? <laughs> if it's a day that you can't do whatever, you know, full throttle thing you're expecting of yourself, be like, today's a cheat day where I can just like, um, even though that that's such a, has such a negative connotation in the dieting world, but I'm like, <laughs> but just this idea of like, you know, I can, I can have minimal expectations of myself here and there and still be a, a good person, a worthy person. So, one of the things I struggle with is like to keep track or not to track trackers or no trackers. Right. Because I, I know that I love metrics and I know that I love like, you know, my watch and my Apple watch and filling the rings and all of that stuff. But I also have a tendency toward extreme behaviors that can be damaging. And I, right. So I'm like, I I never decide if tracking is good or bad for me because I, you know, if I miss a day then I'm like, Oh, screw it. Start fresh next week. Um, what are your thoughts on, on our brains and tracking? Yeah. I mean, I think it's the same thing again, where like, it just so depends, right. It depends on who you are as a human. (laughs) You're so diplomatic. (laughs) I know it's like the worst answer, but it really does. I think it's again, that whole listening to your body. So I think the benefit, right. Is that I think especially actually when people first start getting into a movement program, if, if they are trying to enter into a program, right. They're not just like, I'm just going to stretch around today, but like, I actually want to like here's my goal that I'm trying to reach. I think it can be a helpful tool to say, like, let's say your goal right now is doing, you know, 8,000 steps a day and you have no idea how many steps you're doing, you know? So of course, like that's going to be a really helpful baseline for us to start walking, using our measurements to see where we're at. And we can kind of progress with that. Um, or even like, uh, let's say you wanted to get stronger and you're doing, you know, a dumbbell chest press and you started out with 10 pounds. We can, I always tell people, you know, Hey, like track that. So that way, like the next week, the next week, the next week, you can see where you were at. We can actually see if you're getting stronger. That can be really helpful. But obviously there are so, so, so many downfalls. I think that can come with it also. Like you said, I think there's an obsession that can come with it. Same with logging your food. Um, I have 100%. I don't log my food anymore, but that, that was a thing for me for a while where I was like kind of getting into that. And then it can become so obsessive. Um, but you know, I've had clients before tell me like, oh yeah, well I looked at my, my watch and I didn't hit my, yeah, I didn't hit my steps. And so now I feel really bad about myself. And it's like, you know, life happens. Like sometimes we're not going to always be getting an 8,000 steps. Sometimes you're sick. Sometimes, you know, like I've had days too, right. Where it's like, I have MS, I ADHD and all the things where like, I just feel life, but I just feel fatigued. And again, we're talking about rest and I'll have this moment of thinking like, I need to rest. Like this is helpful for my body, but that like internal piece of me, that's like giving me that guilt and shame of like, yeah, but you have to go, you have to go work out. You know, you have to go do your movement. And so I think that when you can see that watch is telling you like, Hey, you didn't hit your goal. Um, that can be really unmotivating. And then also just to kind of tie it back also where we were talking about the, like listening to your body and that intuition, those apps get rid of all of that. You know, it's like, you know, if you're trying to think about even like heart rate responses, right. It's like, I'm working out and you know, so that's why a lot of times we'll use that RPE, which is the rate of perceived exertion. So if you're working out, um, let's say that, you know, we say that you're going to work out at like a seven to 10, like level, which is also really hard to answer, but it's more like, you know, you're, you're breathing heavily, but you know, maybe you can have like one or two sentences of a conversation. So you can kind of gauge within yourself, like how hard am I working right now? But sometimes it's like, I have no idea how hard I'm working. I'm going to look at my watch though. It's going to tell me that my heart rate's at 140. So I know I'm working hard. You know, I think it, it, it can sometimes can really pull us out of our bodies and that can be really detrimental. 
Mm, yeah. Huh, I know, right? It's like uh, sleep sleep uh, psychologists hate sleep trackers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, did I sleep well? Let the trackers tell me if I slept well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> like, am I full? Did I eat enough calories? Yes, I'm full. Yeah. It's just like these constant things to pull us outside of our body. And, you know, I mean, again, I think it can be helpful to start, but uh, yeah, it can, it can be very unhelpful. Well, and I think. I think also paying attention is just not something that we um, are very good at, right? And so it's easier to rely on something else really quickly than it is to kind of do the work to get there. But some people, right? It's like, I'm not like, if you're not into a program and you want to be into one, sometimes again, having that external motivation or whatever, like, you know, sometimes it's like you find this dopamine, write it, you know, it's like, okay, great. This is working for you right now. Maybe it'll help you get into a habit after a while. Cause it's something that you're looking forward to. So also, you know, like some of us get overwhelmed by a lot of things, but some people like the concept of checking things off. And so, you know, it's like, I, when I do virtual training with clients, I use an app called True Coach and it like emails them their workout. And like when they're done with it, they can hit save. And it's like, bloop, you know, you did it. You completed your workout. You know I mean? Some people, you know, really get that kind of dopamine high off of that. And so, yeah, I think again, it's just really sussing out like, what do you need? Yeah. We love star charts for right? sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like there's like two personalities. There's the, I want to, I want to check off all the boxes and have the stars tell, you know, uh, tell me how good I am. And then there's the oppositional side of us, which is like, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Yep. Yep. And it's all within both of us, right? Like, I am both all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like some days I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to go clean all the things. And then the last one, I'm like, I'm not, I don't even want to drink water today because I'm annoyed that I'm supposed to. Right? Like, or, <laughs> it reminds yeah. me of all those, those TikTok videos where it's like, I'm doing self, I'm going for a walk to take care of my mental, my stupid mental health. I'm going on a stupid walk. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's how I feel most days. Yeah. But you know, the other <laughs> thing true. I feel like many of us must struggle with, I, I've always like, I struggle with it. So therefore we all must struggle with it. But right. But, um, is the like, we I have a tendency to just push the envelope all the time, which is like, oh my God, I, you know, I, I ran 5k today in 20 minutes, which I don't think has ever happened. Honestly, <laughs> I don't know why I'm like trying to impress you or something. Uh, <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm impressed. I was impressed prior to that too, but Okay, good. But I'm like, you know, I'm like, I have a certain time that I will do is 5k. And then I'll be like, okay, well, next tomorrow, I have to go faster. And it's like this idea that like, maintenance or consistency is akin to failure. And I feel like that is an ADHD thing for sure. Because I'm like, I see it in so many areas of my life where it's like, with, um, with my podcast, right? Where it's like my numbers have to keep rising because that's the dopamine. And if they don't rise, it's basically feels like failure. And I'm like, how do I, how do I be okay with consistency? And then also being like light bulb. No wonder we all freaking struggle with consistency. <laughs> it's really boring. But the next thing you know, I push myself too far and I'm injured. And that's how that's my conscience. Like, do you have any advice for pulling back? Yeah. I'm be really honest. When you were saying that, I initially had all these ideas. And then right when you asked me, my brain was like, and there's nothing in here right now. Um, so I mean, it's like, and I was just like, yeah, nothing. Um, but so let me, give me a second. Um, we're doing all the things. We put ourselves into overdrive. You know, like if you have a program, like even if it's, if it's running, if it's um, anything, like in theory, the best way to do that is that you do kind of go on this progression, but then you cycle back through, right? So it's like, if let's say it was running hypothetically, you do three miles, four miles, five miles, but then we go back down. So that's going to help us not get injured. So I guess like, A, there's that if our goal is to get better. Um, but B, yes, our goal does not always have to be better. And I 1000% have struggled with that. Um, I actually like there was a period where I was like, I'm going to get really into CrossFit because CrossFit, you know, if you're good at it, like that's an ADHD or dream, right? Like you're good at everything. It's like, you have to be strong and fast and mobile. And I was like, I am going to be the best at this. And so I went to class like four times and I was like, there were way too many things and I don't feel good at all these things. So I stopped. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to do double unders. There's these people over here are stronger at this than me, you know? And so, which is like a, yeah, a great place for my brain to be. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's, it's hard. Oh, I think actually, I know when you were saying that, actually, one thing I thought about too, you're talking about your, um, your, your podcast is I feel like sometimes I'll do that even like financially, right? Where it's like, I think that's how society's also like taught us is it's like, you're always supposed to be like making a certain amount or like making more money. And every once in a while, I'll kind of sit back and be like, what am I like, what am I looking for? You know, it's like, okay, I can pay my bills. I can, you know, whatever. But it's almost like this thing that like, 
if it's easy, it's not not easy, but like if I'm okay, it's not enough. You know, there should always be something that we're like, yes, yeah, striving for. Um, so yeah, I think there's just so, so much again of like, just kind of thinking about like what our, what our goals and intentions are again. Um, you know, I mean, of course I think like when we see a little improvements or we, you know, we get better at something, of course we all like that, but maybe are getting better. We can just like change what that looks like. Maybe it's getting better because we actually listened to our body. So we didn't do more. (laughs) It's like, Ooh, that's better. Or maybe, you know, we have better range of motion. Um, Maybe we're getting injured less. Like I think maybe some of that, you know, is also like kind of reframe what that looks like. Mm, Yeah. Right. I mean, I think, I think about that too, in terms of weight loss and women, right. Because women are, you know, when I was obsessed with weight loss for so many years of my life and I got a huge light bulb moment for me was when I got to like my lowest weight and I was still unhappy. And I was like, when does it stop? Right? Like, when is there a place where you would be happy? And I was like, no, there is no like, when you don't deal with the fundamental dissatisfaction, um, you're there's never going to be a place where you're going to get to where you're like, yay, I arrived. Um, And so that was a huge moment for me, which was where I was like, oh, it's not about the weight loss. (laughs) Like, that's not what it's about. And I feel like that can have, you know, we can have that with so many areas of self care, where it's like, uh, we're not dealing with the the deep sense, the root issue of of either I can't think of another version of satisfaction, but I think there's something there in terms of how many of us feel so lost and um, you know we've been raised like we have all of the that the micro traumas of of being undiagnosed and always feeling like we're not fitting in and we're not like good enough and we're not trying hard enough. And even like your own you know therapist who was like, you need to try harder to not have anxiety. And you're like, welcome to my life. <laughs> well, how do I do that? Uh, but all those ways in which we're told like you're broken and then you're like, but I don't know what to do right now. And so why we start grasping at all these external things that promise happiness. This is deep. This is a lot deeper than I thought we were getting. (laughs) That's what we do, right? (laughs) It is though. It is. Yeah. And I think, especially as women, right? A lot of us are raised to be people pleasers. Um, And so I think, I don't know, I feel like that like plays a little role into that too, where it's like, I need to be better. I need to make sure I'm not making anybody mad. I need to like, there's like this always, at least within me, there's always this sense of like, yeah, what I'm doing isn't enough. Or um, I actually told Kayla, not that, which I think some of this also is me. I grew up in the church. And so I think there's all sorts of traumas with that too. Um, but even this feeling of like, I always feel kind of guilty and I don't even know why, you know, or like, I feel like I'm going to get in trouble. And I'm like, I don't even know why, Like, there's not anything in specific. I'm literally, you know, but it's like, whatever I'm doing isn't right somehow, you know, like I'm reading right now and I should be doing this or I'm working out and I guess should be volunteering or like, it's just like, there's always something else that like is probably better that I should be doing. Yeah. And again, it's like, are we, yeah, we're not trusting ourselves. Are we not feeling satisfied within that? Um, I think, yeah, the freaking patriarchy, man, also, I think it's like, it's just smashed us all down as women. It's like, yeah. Oh my God. Right. I know. I, uh, I don't think a podcast episode goes by where I don't question, is this ADHD or am I an angry feminist? <laughs> Both are true. Uh, but it's so true about the exvangelical. Like I was talking about this recently where it was like, as an exvangelical, you still believe you're going to hell, right? Like you still are, you're, uh, you're just, right. in, you just believe you've chosen it. Right. So I'm like, that's a whole other stuff to unpack, which is like, you're constantly choosing to go to hell uh, <laughs> because it's been indoctrinated in you. And so it's like, that's a whole other thing to unpack. Oh, that's a whole other conversation we'll have someday. I'll have you back. Maybe I, I feel like I could like round up some of my guests who are all ex, uh, ex Christians. <laughs> I would love that. I don't really like wear that hat publicly, but sometimes I think that I should, you know, I'm using a should here, but like, I always feel like, you know, there's a big world of it. And I think it's, there's also my ADHD brain where I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to jump into that community a little bit more too, because yeah, I think not to like completely, you know, navigate over there, but I think talk about not trusting yourself, you know, I mean, I think that was honestly one of my biggest traumas from growing up within the church is it's constantly that sense of like, um, you can't trust yourself because if you know, this could be Satan that's telling you X, Y, Z. And so, you know, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe my inherent self is bad. Or it's like, listen to God and they'll tell you X, Y, Z. So it's like, whatever voice is going on within you, it's not yours. You know, it's either this side or this side. And so I think it really pulls you away from any of your own thoughts, but 
Well, and I think an ADHD diagnosis also, again, this is totally derailing into a, ta- a conversation about Christianity. So I apologize if you're if you're listening to this being like, what happened to the fitness tips? Uh, <laughs> but I think there's also like there's something comforting about an ADHD diagnosis for a lot of Christian like mothers and wives who are really struggling. Right. And are and are. with their role as like domestic goddess. And so I'm like, there's a lot to unpack there term too, in which the way in which Christianity can be really, really rigid about uh, what you should find um, satisfaction in. And a lot of things that women are, a lot of roles that are are handed to women are deeply unsatisfying. Uh, (laughs) Right. And so anyway, all right, well, uh, (laughs) I'm like, what am I going to title this this episode? It's going to be like fitness and Christianity. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, so. And how it's all fucked us up. Yeah. It's always the trauma. It just comes back to all the trauma. It is. Yeah. Any other parents out there who have struggled to instill good financial habits into their kids? I know I have. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode. Go Henry by Acorns, the smart debit card and app for kids 6 through 18. With Go Henry, kids can learn about money, set spending and saving goals, and even track chores and earn allowance money right within the app. They learn the value of money by using their Go Henry debit cards, while we as parents can set spend limits and help guide their journey while staying informed every step of the way. It gives me so much peace of mind to know that I'm using a smart tool to proactively teach my kids about money and prepare them for future success. Set your kids up for success and get started today at GoHenry.com slash WomenADHD. Again, that's GoHenry.com slash WomenADHD. TNCs apply, renews from $4.99 per month unless canceled. I'd like to take a moment to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know I am a big proponent of therapy. Therapy provides me the best opportunity for verbal processing, something that is so important for my kind of brain and my sense of self. What I love about BetterHelp is that it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy that's done securely online from the comfort of your home. They assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And it's available for clients worldwide. So you get access to a broad range of expertise that might not be available to you locally. It also tends to be more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. If you visit their website and read their testimonials, there are actually quite a few reviews that specifically reference health with ADHD. As a special offer for listeners of the Women and ADHD podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month. Simply sign up at betterhelp.com slash womenADHD. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash womenADHD. And there's a link in the show notes. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. So having been diagnosed, what do you, what would you say you love most about your ADHD? Yeah, I think so much of it, honestly, is like, I feel like there was always like this sense of me that really liked who I was. Um, But there is that little piece of you, right? That like the society tells you like you're kind of weird or you're kind of whatever. So then you almost kind of learn to not like who you are for that reason Um, or like, you know, certain aspects of yourself. And so I think that that kind of like brought that back to be like, oh, yeah, that kind of silly, impulsive human. Um, I actually really do like her, you know, and I always did like her. But I think it kind of like brings that in a little bit. And I think also like I... Um, I don't know. I guess I feel like it's fun too, because I think I'm good at seeing the, like not the world that sounds really big of me, but like I can see a lot of different scenarios to things because we kind of have to right? as ADHD years. It's like people tell us that we have to do something the way that they want us to, but we're probably doing it in a different way to get to the same point. Um, so with that, I guess I feel like I like decent at problem solving or decent at like, yeah, seeing things kind of outside of the box, um, just to kind of keep things interesting. And so I feel like that is a helpful way to, I don't know, it's a nice way to live, live in the world. You know, somebody says something, I'm like, hmm, but what about this? Or, you know, so yeah. Mm, I like that, right? I know, I feel like so many, so many of my clients come to me with like, I've been diagnosed, how do I fix it? How do I fix all this stuff that I hate about myself? And I'm like, what if we decided <laughs> to lean into all the crazy weirdness and stop, you know, and like, why do you feel like these things need to be fixed? I don't want you to struggle, but I also feel like there's a lot of ways in which we need to kind of reframe what is valuable in our lives and and what we bring to the table. Yeah. Yeah. So 
what would you rename ADHD to if you could call it something less confusing? I know. Well, first off, I, mean, I was thinking about it, right? Like ADHD, which has like deficit and diagnosis, like that just seems like so offensive. So first off, I'm like, there is no deficit, like A. Also like, I don't know, or not diagnosis, disorder. I'm like, disorder. I'm like that. I don't know. Yeah. So I'm like, first off, just like all of those need to go away. Um, and I guess I was thinking like, so we know that there are, like, there's other ways of like, right. I feel like there's like, different ways of being ADHD or different ways of like, I feel like there's all these, like we've, we've now kind of put everybody in these two camps, like neurotypical neurodivergent, but I'm also like, there has to be like all of these different subsets within this. So this little piece of me is like, you know, we have like, fifth, like, I don't know, 5,000 breeds of dogs. Like what if we had 5,000 like different types of brains um, and we just like named them something different, you know, I, this is what I was thinking. So instead of being like, this is what the ADHD brain is, I'm like, if all of them had different names, but then like the way that I feel like a lot of us like ADHD women, are, like what if we were like the masterminds? I feel like that's a good one. If we like, that was like our little niche because we can like do all the things, you know, like sometimes it's overwhelming, but also we can, like, it's there. Mm. <laughs> I like it. I kind of like the idea of like all the different breeds of being like, which dog would you be? <laughs> uh, Cause I was like, which dog would I be? Um, I mean, one of the things I love about this question is we really sort of get to the heart of like, is this a disorder? Is this not a disorder? Because on the one hand, nobody comes to their diagnosis because they're like, everything's going wonderfully in my life. What I need a name for this superpower, right? So there's obvious struggle involved in living a life. Yeah. But I think that's just because we have such a narrow focus society, right? It's like society is like, hey, you know, yeah, we're a circle. And like all of us are like, but I'm a star. I'm a heart. I'm a triangle. And we're all just trying to shove ourselves into this circle. So I think that, yeah, I feel like that's like where it's like, well, let's just name all of us, you know? And like, yeah, like nobody's typical, but it's just like we need we need to be like way more creative, you know? So we need to open everything up a little bit more so that none of us are feeling disordered. Right. Um, I know. And and exactly. It's like you know, the disorder only exists when you're trying to shove the the sh like a shape sorter, right? That when you were talking about that, it reminded me of those old Tupperware shape sorters. Yeah. Shape yeah. sorter. That's a hard one. Um, you know, of like trying to get the jam the shape into that. Um, and, and if we could just like open it up and just let everybody go and just be like, yeah, they all fit. It's great. So the disorder only exists when you're trying to force things. But at the same time, there's a lot so many situations where we have to, um, you know, exist in school systems and in jobs and workplaces where we don't feel like we can ask for help if or we don't even know what to ask for oftentimes without the help of, of the, without the validation of calling it a real clinical disorder. And I feel like we're seeing this in the UK right now, which is like all of the, the lack of services where people are really fighting to take this seriously, as opposed to saying, oh, we're just like quirky people who bump into things that there's like a real, real struggle there. But at the same time, yeah. no, that's yeah. Like, I, I would say that's super valid because I feel like even like when you get, you know, into like the LGBT community and then people will say something along the lines of like, oh, okay, well, yeah, now you guys can get married. So you're equal. And it's like, okay. Or even like women, right? Like, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, it's the same now. You guys have the same rights. And it's like, well, it's not. So yes, I think like you said, like acknowledging that there are so many differences. I just, oh, sorry. I like kind of hijacked that, but I was just thinking too, I also wonder though, if even neurotypical people, right, have so many more like needs or things that would help them function well and like better in life that they also were not talking about. And so it's more just like, what if we also opened up this space for everybody to be like, this is what would make my life better. And, you know, like, if we all could just somehow figure out a way for us to all do that, you know, I don't think it's like that out of the question. Well, this is where I think it's really important to channel white man energy because uh, that's where they don't struggle. They don't struggle with like outsourcing and asking for help and they don't feel any shame when they can't do something. They're like, nope, not my job. Somebody get somebody else to do that. Right. Whereas I think as women, we are much more socialized to do all the things. And, you know, because likability and acceptance is so interwoven in our worth that we have that tendency to be like, I should be able to figure this out. I got to do, you know, we're much more, uh, we take on so much more as opposed to being like, nope, not my job. This is not, you know, this is above my pay grade. And I, yeah, yeah <laughs> right? fine, I got it. I'm going to do all the things. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, oh no, I'll figure it out. Don't worry. I just got, I'll, I'll just, I'll figure it out. And, um, I think that's where I'm always sort of like, you know, and there, you know, especially with, with business and stuff where I'm like, there's so many entrepreneurs who are 
or are neurodivergent men who are just like, uh, they don't spend any time worrying about if they can figure out their calendar or how they're going to get it all done. They're just like, delegate the shit out of that. And so I'm like, yeah. we need to really they harness. assume that somebody wants to help them. Right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, you got to harness that energy a lot of the <laughs> Yeah. That's true though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so do you work with online clients or do you prefer, do you mostly work with in-person clients? How can people I actually, find you? I do a ton of online clients. Yeah. I do a little bit of both. Um, but I've worked in like a box, you know, style gym for a long time, right? Like a 20 bar fitness or whatever. And I think like I always, again, like just super neurodivergent, super ADHD, but I never really felt like I fully fit into like what that gym space is. Um, you know, you, you have all sorts of like different camps of people. And I feel like, again, I'm always like kind of like a little piece of all of them, but I don't fit hardcore into like one specific. And so COVID happened. And so I started, you know, virtually training a lot of my current clients. So even though they still live in Omaha, it was just like, we can't be around each other. So it was like, you know, we're like virtually training with stuff that people had in their house. Um, but yeah, then kind of from there, like I still train some of those people, but it just kind of has expanded into working with a lot of people. Um, so I went off on my own, I guess I didn't necessarily say that, but so work at the box gym, COVID, whatever, but now I've officially like work on my own. Um, I think for neurodivergent people, that's so important too, just to like not have to worry about other people's rules and how that works. Um, but I really have kind of started leaning into this verbiage that I use of like working with people who I'll try to say are like, have like gone through something, which sounds kind of like ethereal, but I think that like being diagnosed with ADHD could be something like that. Um, you know, MS and autoimmunity could be something. Maybe it's a big job change. Maybe it's just like discovering something else about yourself where I kind of feel like, you know, sometimes we get to this point in life where you find out something new about yourself. Maybe you perceive yourself in a different way now that I feel like our fitness and the way that we move maybe would, I don't want to say should, maybe it would be helpful though, if that, if that changed as well, you know? And so again, I think it's like, okay, I see myself a little bit differently. So what have you come into that now from this like place of empowerment of trying to be stronger and trying to be more, you know, mobile and just like, I always think like there are certain types of movements for me specifically, I I like being strong. I like moving my body in like functional real life ways. Um, that it just makes me show up, I think, to the world better. You know, it's like, I feel um, better about myself in this way. So now I'm going to go out into that way in a, in a more confident way versus again, that, that mentality of going into the gym and like, I'm just trying to be less because I'm not good enough. And I need to, you know, I did something bad as far as my diet goes. So I need to work this off. So I guess, I guess all that to say that, yes, um, I do work with people online and I do work with people in person. Um, but that is just an avenue that I have really found, um, to be, I think just exciting just to work with people within that realm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I always use, I mean, accountability is so huge. And I feel like I uh, often when I'm with my clients, I talk about ADHD coaching, like a personal trainer, where it's like, there are some people out there who can just join a gym and show up and use them, use the equipment, and they're fine with that. I am not that person. And then there's some people who can sign up for classes, because that's like the classes offer some structure and some accountability. But oftentimes, I'll do that for a couple weeks. And then I don't know, I'll figure out some reason why I don't like it. Uh, And so like a personal trainer is somebody who I can be accountable to. And I can kind of externalize a lot of that motivation that I might not be feeling and say like, Oh, you know, Marnie says I have to do this, I got to show up for Marnie, I can do it for her until I can do it for myself, right? And realize that like, part of that investment, I think, though, go ahead. Yeah, well, I should say, like, I think also, so like, you know, the accountability you said, um, and like, I would quote, like, how do you do it? But part of it, too, again, is like, working with you and your individual brain. So the downside, like group classes are great, but the downside of that is that they're not individualized to you at all. You know? So it's like, I'm going to, you know, write a workout. I don't know who's showing up to my class. You're all going to do this workout versus me saying like, I am working with Katie. And I know that these are Katie's injuries. Um, I know these are Katie's goals. I know that this is how Katie's body moves. I know that she's neurodivergent. So she, you know what I mean? Like there's so many factors that can go into that. So making this a better experience for you individually. So you're going to come out of that actually feeling like way more empowered, you know, instead of maybe showing up to some something and being like, I didn't get the same experience that everybody else did. Like it wasn't great for my brain or I worked too hard because I didn't listen to my body or I got injured or, you know, so I think that, um, yes, like it, I think it's really helpful actually, even if it's not long-term for people actually to work with somebody to kind of help guide them within that realm, not just even guide you like, yeah, from a base level, but for guide you from like a, who are you and what are you looking to do? You know? 
Right. Uh, yeah. I'll just do the cheapest possible thing. I'll just go to YouTube. Um, and right. And then it's like, well, you know, what are the actual investments long term in terms of some of these choices? And I, I certainly struggle with a lot of that. I'm like, damn it, I'll do it myself. And <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. I don't do it myself. Uh, so. Or it's like, yeah, you just kind of like version that lasts way longer than it needs to. I think that's too, because oh, again, like with my brain that initially was like, I'm going to do this CrossFit and be good at all the things. Um, and then realizing like, also, you know, if you watch like, I'm just bringing back CrossFit for a second, but if you watch the people that are in like the games of that, you know, if they're actually that good, they're probably spending five, six hours of their day, you know, doing things to be good at that. And most of us don't have that time. So I think there's this component too, right. Of like, what is going to be, um, I guess like efficient and effective. And so I think that that can be really helpful when you have somebody to help you kind of program to be like, okay, I want to be, you know, do these things like great. So I have 45 minutes So within that 45 minutes, this is how we're going to warm up. This is how we're going to, you know, go through your strength and your conditioning so that you can get it all in one package instead of feeling like you have to do 50 different things, you know, and be kind of jumbled. Yeah. And teaching the life, you're teaching the skill to then be able to figure that out moving forward too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'll put the link in the show notes, but what's the website is just your name, right? Marnie. Yeah. Bothmer? Yeah. Marnie Yeah. Um, awesome. Yeah. Okay. I have so. little breakthrough sessions. You can sign up on there too. Just to, like it sets up a zoom. So you can always chat with me and just be like, Hey, these are my goals or, um, yeah, this is what I struggle with, with my ADHD or anything within my fitness. Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> If you do do that, that is totally fine. Maybe just make a note about it, like within my little intake form so that I'm prepared. <laughs> or don't. Right. We'll see what happens. I'm but. trying to get you to rebrand, Marty. <laughs> I think it would be okay to add in. Right, there. you yeah. gotta you gotta niche down. That's what right. they always say, right? <laughs> Neurodivergent <laughs> ex Christian. I think it's just perfect. Yeah, MS autoimmunity. Um, yeah, I think yeah. <laughs> LGBT. Right, angry feminists. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How tight can I get it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, awesome. Thank you so much. And I felt like I threw so many questions at you. That was this I was awesome. It. I learned a lot. And I thank you for sharing your story. Yeah, it was thank pleasure. you. Yeah, super fun. I loved it. And there you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, you know, we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. If you're a fan of the podcast, please take a moment to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or Audible. And if that feels like too much, and I get it, then just take a few seconds right now to give me a five-star rating or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this gift of neurodivergency. And they may still be struggling and don't even know why. And if you'd like to find out more about me and my one-on-one coaching for women with ADHD, head over to womenandadhd.com coaching. And you can always find that link in the show notes. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who discovered that she is not lazy or crazy or broken, but she has ADHD and she is now on the path to understanding her neurodiversity and finally using this gift to her advantage. Take care till then.